1: What is up Van Flippers? Thanks for checking out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast, the number one hardcore and metal podcast on all of the internet. I am your host Lurk, and this week what I'm interested in is what records did you pick up for Record Store Day this past weekend? Go ahead and tweet me a picture of it and we'll talk shop. Let's go ahead and jump into the top five stories on lambgoat.com this past week. Coming in at number five, we have California Death Fest 2020 lineup finalized. The festival is taking place in Los Angeles, California next year, January 28th through the 30th. For the full breakdown of the bands and schedule head over to the website number four the black dahlia murder announced up from the sewer tour 2001 the tour will run from september to october featuring support from after the burial carniflex rivers of nil and undeath number three the acacia strain announced tour with kubla khan harm's way and more the acacia strain have announced a fall u.s tour during which the group will perform two nights in each city one to play it comes in waves in its entirety along with select cuts from slow decay and the other to perform wormwood in full support on select dates will be provided by Harm's Way and Kublai Khan, along with Orthodox and Dying Wish on all other dates. Number two and a personal favorite of mine this week, Glassjaw announces US tour in honor of first two albums. The band has revealed plans to hit the road in early 2020 to celebrate the 20th anniversaries of their first two albums, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Silence, which came out in 2000, and Worship and Tribute, which came out in 2002. In some cities, they will play two nights featuring an album a night, while in other cities they'll play one night featuring both albums. And it should come as no surprise that I already have my ticket for the Atlanta date so tweet me if you're also going to that show and let's link up and the number one story on lamb goat this week was lorna shore announced vocalist and premiere new track the new jersey deathcore unit have formally announced the addition of vocalist will ramos to the band you may know will from his former band awaken providence this news probably doesn't come to a great shock of the fan base anyway as ramos has toured with them last year and along with the announcement of will the band also shared a new single to the hellfire which will be featured on their new ep and i return to nothingness on August 13th. Make sure you head over to lambgoat.com and watch the video for this single because the last minute breakdown is insane. But you can also check lambgoat.com for all the dates for the tours that we announced earlier in the segment as well. And now for the albums dropping this week, the week of June 18th, 2021. This week we have releases from Illustrium, Bosque, Fear Factory, The Day of the Beast, Hacktivist, Crowbot, Death Perception, Heavy Temple, Halloween, and Tiger Cub. And our guest this week is James from Holics. I can hear you now asking yourself, what is Holix? Holix is like some musical promotion software slash platform. Any of the advanced albums that we get, we get usually through Holix or some other platform similar to Holix. So James will kind of explain all what they do and how they help artists and such like that. We don't only talk about Holix the entire time. James and I also talk about the changes in the industry as well as the music scene in general. He also gives some insight on how bands should market themselves and further their career. Don't forget to follow Lambgood on social media, give us a like on Facebook. Facebook and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at lamb goat head over to lamb goats, YouTube page and you can find all of these podcasts in video format and our other lamb goat content. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and the alert bell So you're always notified when new content is uploaded, whether you are a returning listener or this is your first time checking out the show. If you dig the content we're doing here, please take the time to go ahead and follow or subscribe to us. If you can give us a like or a rating that would be extra helpful in the podcast algorithm, it helps so much. You have no idea. So thanks for taking the time out to do so. And if you want to follow me, me, Lurk, the host of the show. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity, that's L-U-R-K-C-I-T-Y, and with that being said, let's go ahead and roll on into the episode. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is the uh... stuff. Oh no, Oh, no, no, no. lamgoat presents the van flip podcast what is up everyone welcome to this episode of the Goat van flip podcast which i'm sure you've already heard in the intro but i can't stop myself from saying it a million times and i don't know how to start the uh the uh, episodes off so you know whatever However, this week I am joined by James Shotwell, who is a uh, you work at Hollicks, which we will get into all of that. So James, welcome to the show, brother.
0: Hi, thanks for having me. longtime listener, first time guest.
1: Well, I appreciate you listening. Uh, let me just turn you down a little bit because now it's really banging. Um, yeah, I appreciate you checking out the podcast and, you know, we've interacted on Twitter for the last year or two, so it's finally Mm -hmm. good to, I know you've been wanting to get on and I'm glad we've had a chance to finally get you on. Um, now I'm not super familiar with Holix. I mean, I do use it because I get albums, uh, advanced to me, uh, via this platform. So I get to, you know, stream albums and sometimes depending on when they are in the schedule of down, uh, I'm sorry, of releasing, I can download them. Uh, and, you know, preview them and we review them at the website, blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, but I'm sure you're going to get into exactly what Holix is and what you do at Holix. So by all means, James, take the floor, man.
0: All right. Well, my, my very quick elevator pitch is that Holix is the service used by record labels and publicists and independent artists from all over the world to share new and unreleased music with influencers. Now, that can mean... Podcast hosts such as yourself or journalists for Rolling Stone, for your local newspaper, radio shows all over the world, and pretty much anyone in between. You know, people use our service to handle licensing, you know, pitching the NFL, pitching WWE. I've seen uh, certain artists use Holix to, you know, work on their albums. You know, uh, Slipknot, for example, a very famous example for us is they they use our service to record their albums. So the members of Slipknot live all over the country. They can't always get together to record so when they're building a new album they'll actually have a holics account where they're uploading you know the drum tracks or a riff or a vocal idea and they share it with one another so that they know that it's secure and that it cannot easily be accessed by any you know average fan or anything like that you know we pride ourselves on our security we've been in business since 2009 now we just celebrated over a decade uh, obviously and um my job there is kind of uh, complicated. I am the <laughs> director of customer engagement and marketing for the company. So anything public facing, I handle. I am also in charge of you know, managing all of our client relationships. So we have um, about 835 clients from all over the world. And this includes everyone from you know, major labels like BMG to Metal Blade and Prosthetic Records, Hopeless Records. Um, and then a bunch of you know, independent artists. So, you know, We just had one sign up today called No... No Oceans from Sweden. They're super cool. Um, And my job is just to make them feel welcome, answer any questions. I travel when we're able to travel. I go to like New York and LA. I take meetings. Uh, I do training sessions. And then the marketing angle of that is that we have a lot of forward-facing material. So we have our blog Holics daily, which includes the music industry job board where we post free job listings for the music industry, super useful resource. I write all the content on our blog. We post three to five times every single week. We have a YouTube channel called music biz and we have two podcasts inside music, which is an interview show that's been going on for about 230 episodes now. Nice. And, um, much more important to me anyways, and far more special, is our limited series, High Notes, which is a show about addiction and recovery in the music business. We are about to release season four here in a few weeks. It'll be our fourth season in a year. But So we, we record uh, anywhere from three to eight episodes at a time, and we edit them, make them all nice and polished. It's not a typical interview podcast. It has a narrative structure to it. And uh, then we drop them all at once, Netflix-style, every couple of months. So our fourth season is coming up here at the end of June.
1: Nice. And uh, it's odd that you mentioned that because, obviously, today, uh, this isn't airing, obviously, today or, today or tomorrow or this mm-hmm. week. Rather, it'll come out weeks later. But, unfortunately, uh, you know, I'm sure you pay attention to the news and everything like that, if not visit Lamb Goat sometimes. Um, Riley Gale's uh, cause of death came out today and that uh, unfortunately mm. was a fentanyl accidental overdose because he was dealing with some kind of, you know, depression and issues and, you know, things happen and stuff like that. Um, you know, what's mm. weird about that too is a lot of people are very, uh, we're very upset that, you know, we posted about it and uh, I'm sure they're put, they're upset, that not just that we posted about it, but that is just, it's coming out. But <clears throat> Whereas no disrespect to the family and our condolences and everything like that to the to the Gale you know family and everything like that it's not it's not for like the clicks as some people say you know it's good to know you know that even people that are idolized because I'm sure Power Trip was a big band for a lot of people and Riley was not I don't want to say idolized but he was looked up to by a lot of people in, in the fan fan base you know so it's good to know that he's human too and he deals with the same issues that maybe you or I do. But it also is good to know the cause of death because it's it's rough. That fentanyl stuff is bad news. And I, you know, if I could erase anything off the world, well, I don't want to say anything, but if I could erase a drug off the world, it would probably be that one. I don't really see a point for that. Uh, but it is tricky you know, putting out that information and such like that. But I do think it's good because I think people can learn from those mistakes. And unfortunately, he just had to pay the highest price to get that point across, which is unfortunate and uh you know he's very missed and he will be very missed but it's just strange that you bring that up and um yeah it's good that you guys do that obviously good that you have that kind of content out there because i do feel like sometimes in the macho-ish uh scenes such as like you know the hardcore metal and metalcore and all those things sometimes it's it looks cool to look tough right but Mm -hmm. it's okay to ask for help it's okay to you know, ask for, uh, you know, to talk to somebody or to tell your problems. It's okay. Everyone has problems, bro. Everyone, you know?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, we get, when we first started High Notes, we got a lot of slack from some people who thought of it as kind of like addict porn where we're going to like, you know, drag out these musicians and make them talk about, you know, being strung out in a gutter or something like that. But there's a respectable, there's a respect to have that and have that conversation. And, And more importantly, if I've learned anything in the last year of doing the show, it's that it's, it's really important that we have these conversations and not like high level and all is bad. Don't do heroin because (laughs) clearly that isn't working as a messaging. So I think that it's important to kind of bring people into the experience through somebody that they respect. So, you know, uh, this upcoming season, we have Phil from All That Remains on the show. I'm sure that that'll be one that people really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a lot of big musicians that have big fan bases. And, and, it's, and I think it's important to hear somebody that you respect or maybe even just listen to talk about these things openly and kind of de- destigmatizes it, makes it more OK to talk about. And honestly, I think that they're way more interesting conversations than hearing somebody tell you how the new album is, you know, more yeah. mature than anything we've yeah. done before, oh, yeah. which which I've been doing for, you know, 13 years now as a journalist. So it's, I know, I know both sides of the coin, but I think that I saw the hate that Go was getting today and anyone else talking about it. And I was like, people don't understand, like the only way that you make a positive shift in this war, and it is a war that we're fighting against these pharmaceutical companies, is to be like, look what it does. hmm
1: yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Uh, it is, and again, it's one of those touchy ass subjects where people get very offended by or whatnot because they don't know the motives, or you know, they all think yeah. that they are ulterior motives for like, oh, lamb goat, or I don't want to keep saying lamb goat, but like, X media site is posting because the clicks and the ad it's revenue clicks. and all yeah, this other yeah. stuff. Well, where I mean, like, there's no way around that. That is obviously gonna mm-hmm. uh, get a lot of attention, but there's also a bigger, a bigger point that really needs to be driven home, which is you know it's dangerous. You can do that shit one time and you're not around anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it opens up your eyes a little bit and there, you know, and again, like you were saying, I'm sure, uh, you know, when Corey Taylor started talking about Corey Taylor Slipknot, started talking about all of his past issues and stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm sure he got to a bunch of people just because his band has a, such a huge fan base and mm-hmm. he's had such a, you know, long and hard, uh, upbringing and he had a lot of, you know, quote unquote traumas that happened. So I'm sure he, you know, helped a lot of people with that. So I only hope that people actually get, you know, it it clicks in their head either from your podcast, from other podcasts, from, you know, news stories that break. It's not about the negative vibe and negative, you know, attention that it's getting. It's all about, you know, helping the scene out in some which way. Like, I never really thought that we would be sitting here discussing like, drug overdoses in the scene, you know, and it just is mm-hmm. like, it's becoming more prevalent as time goes on, whether it's like, uh, you know, I just remember like people just would get drunk sometimes or maybe smoke a little weed. Yeah. And now it's like, everyone's off the deep end sometimes, you know, it feels like, well,
0: and sometimes you just don't know, right? Like I've, I've definitely, we've done episodes of high Notes where I was like, we're going to talk about drinking today and we're five minutes in and it's like, and then I, then I was doing you know, crack cocaine and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, You know, it's uh, you don't go in expecting sometimes, but again, that's like that's that's the the mystique of rock and roll, right? Like, like, yeah, they're partying, but it's always within reason. Or, you know, how could they be so lonely that they turn to this thing because Mm -hmm. they have this audience? But you know, they're just people, just broken people like you and I. Yeah, not that you're broken, but you know, (laughs) no, no, I I,
1: I probably (laughs) am very broken to a lot of people. Uh, But you know, it is one of those things that even though like you know, you or I are in the public eye and those bands are in an even greater public eye. That doesn't necessarily mean that those people Mm
0: -hmm. wish
1: that they are in the public eye. You know what I mean? It just, that's, this is their job. And most of them probably didn't really think like, hell yeah, man, I'm going to write these songs and then we'll be this like Killswitch Engage Slipknot level band. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people get into the business wanting to do that, right? They want to be in a band for the most part because they want to have that rock star styled life but there's a lot that comes along with it you know there's a lot that uh a lot of pressures a lot of other things that behind the scenes that definitely can go on that can change a person's mindset mood and everything
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely man it's uh it's, it's, it's weird to watch the, the dialogue play out, but I do think that we're moving towards people being more accepting of it as long as it's handled well. Because absolutely call it out if somebody is trying to be clickbaity about it. But clickbaity about it in the instance of what happened today would be saying, you know, we know what happened. Click here for the details <laughs> yes. versus just putting it out there for the public yeah. to see. Yeah. Um. So you know, whatever people are going to have their opinions, and I've definitely lost contact with some people that didn't agree with us doing High Notes. And now, you know, just this past month, as a quick example, side story here, uh, a longtime listener of High Notes from day one, a very vocal supporter, texted me one day or DM'd us, I should say, and uh, told me, you know, I've been listening to the show since the beginning, which I already know, but lately I've been listening to the first season again, and, and I've just decided. You know, I was listening to the Burton McCracken episode, one of the first steps we ever did. Mm-hmm. And I have to go to rehab for heroin. And I'm telling you this to hold myself accountable. Mm. Interesting. So later that day, their mom DMs us and is like, Hey, I'm with blah, blah, blah. And we're at the center right now. They wanted you to know that they're checking in. And they like sent me a photo of the building or whatever. And, um, then literally like two days ago we heard from them again that they had successfully completed a short stay and now now they're getting treatment but i don't think that highness is the only reason that happened but the fact that they could sit there and listen to somebody that they personally idolize talk about these things and learn from their experiences without having to go through it themselves entirely i mean this person in question is a parent who has children and you know hopefully now they're you know they're they're gonna, they're gonna try to pull it together, and whether or not it works this time, that's fine. You, sometimes you have to go, I have to restart a hundred times. Yeah, um, but, but they're trying, and yeah. like that's what happens when we have these conversations.
1: It's more, uh, I'd rather somebody try for the 80th time than to not try yeah. at all, and then it end up being a, mm-hmm. you know, a big, a big problem because we, I'm sure you've lost friends to the drugs and alcohol and all that other stuff, as as anyone probably has. I mean, it, it feels like it's such a. A thing that happens all the time, unfortunately, but um, you know it is what it is. But yeah, it is good that these platforms are out there mm-hmm. with these outlets that allow you know people to humanize their their favorite bands, and you know that's kind of what we that's kind of what I'd like to do on here. Not in the aspect of like addiction and mental health and stuff like that. However, if it does come up on the podcast, we'll definitely explore those realms. Like you know, I had Maddie on from um, Memphis May Fire early on. And a good chunk of it was talking about, you know, mental health and him and getting his, you know, mental health right and stuff. So, uh, yeah, you know, if you need help, again, don't be tough guy, tough girl, ask. You know, it's always cool <laughs> to reach out. Cool. Not that I want to, you know, start out on a total bummer or anything like that with the first 10 no, minutes of it, being yeah. like almost depressing. But let's get back okay. into Holics, uh, James. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know anything about the front end of of the company, and I still kind of don't. So I, I'd like you to explain a little bit more in detail. Uh, so like bands, you can sign up for a thing, right. And you have a dedicated protected um, way of transferring files. So is that like, what other, I don't know. I, I'm just asking out of curiosity. Cause like, what are other benefits to that rather than like a band say, just like has a Dropbox or like Google account where they're, sh- they're sharing their stuff back and
0: forth. Yeah, no, that's a great question. SoundCloud, um, Dropbox box. These are all competitors to some extent for us, but you know you can speak to this being a journalist yourself you you receive pitches on bands and albums all the time, and you know i don 't know about you, but my eyes kind of glaze over when I see uh, Dropbox or Soundcloud page whatever. I know how it works, but like it 's not really grabbing me so not if I get an email you know yeah, so if I get an email for you know a band that I recognize immediately like right now um there 's an train you album coming out soon while mm-hmm. we 're recording this. And I keep getting promo emails about this Atreyu record, and I and I like that band, so I'm like, okay, I'm I'm curious, I'll check it out. But if I get an email for a band that I've never really heard of, but I'm just you know kind of interested in, it, it takes a little bit more to really get my interest. So if I end up going to, if I click your link and you take me to like Dropbox and you want me to download a file and open it and put it on a bubble, it's too much, too mm-hmm. much. I'm not interested. Um, what Holix offers is you sign up and you basically get access to, a, uh, and a way to track everything that's happening. So the benefits to a person is you upload your music and you can create a promo landing page. Now this page is entirely dedicated to your music. So you can customize it. You can have a banner, you have a description, you can add videos, you can add photos. Uh, obviously the music's there, download or no download. The background, the entire page, with the, with the exception of one small logo in the top left corner, is entirely dedicated to your vision. So you can make a real impression and it has a good success rate. You know, promos on our platform that are customized have a higher engagement rate than just the plain ones. And I think it's the same rule that applies, right? Because if I go to SoundCloud to look at your page, this is the example I always use. If somebody sends me a link to their SoundCloud page, I land there, and so much of what I see and what my brain thinks about is not the music. So there's the SoundCloud logo in the top corner, there's the big giant menu bar with all the buttons to push, there's the player at the bottom. There's an ad on the right side of the page. It's just it's messy. There's a lot going on, and only about 10% of the page actually has to do with you and your music. And make it a more personal occasion. And even our bigger artists like this approach because again, it allows them to kind of emphasize their brand or their aesthetic or whatever is happening, right? Because it's the difference between going to Dropbox and then clicking a link and then come what may of those files, or going to a page that is basically custom made specifically to celebrate this album make you aware of it and allow you to listen to it in high quality in a way that makes the client or the artist feel secure. Now, in addition to that security, using Holix has a lot of benefits that those other services don't provide. For example, analytics. So if I'm using SoundCloud and I, you know, make a private link and I send it out to 30 journalists, all I know is whether or not there are plays on those songs. Mm-hmm. I can see that that song has been played so many times on Holix, when you send out an invitation to your album to those same 30 contacts, each of those people receive a unique URL link that is personal just to them. And we can tell you everything that they do with that link. So, you know, how many times they look at the email, how many times they've actually visited the page, what songs they listen to, whether or not they downloaded it. And we also give you all that information kind of cumulative. So if you're an artist that's promoting an album, you know, four months ahead of release, maybe you're still thinking about what songs are we going to use as promo singles? Well, with Holix Analytics... You can say, well, we send it to all the top tier press. A um, hundred of them listen to the record. And of those hundred people, the song that's being streamed the most is A, B, and C. And so then you kind of have this data set that allows you to make a more competent and hopefully successful campaign. Because you know, we find that business in the digital age and marketing, it's all about creating some kind of sales funnel. <laughs> and all yeah. these other services... You know, you're basically... We're getting nerdy here. There. We're getting
1: real nerdy in our, our, our field here, <laughs> sales phones yeah. and shit. Getting, yeah. getting real nerdy here. <laughs> Sorry um, to interrupt you. It's hilarious we said that time. It's,
0: it's always about making... A, you, you need data. You know, the whole world's revolving around that. Even regular consumers now... They have so much data and they love it. They want more of it. So our goal with Holix is not only the security aspect. I mean, that's nice and it gives you peace of mind, mm-hmm. but it's the data that we're able to provide you about the people engaging with your music that can help you not only make better decisions in terms of rollout, but also help you develop relationships. Because if I'm somebody like, let's say Prosthetic Records, and I'm sending you all of our new albums and you're listening to records, that you at least have an interest in our product and what we do. And it kind of gives me a place to like, lean when I have something new right so the next pupil slicer record comes along I'm like oh well obviously Van Flip would be a cool place to pitch them because that guy loves to listen to all of our records Hmm. so it just makes you better at business by you know getting not getting too dirty getting into a more and more exact audience
1: right now you're making me feel bad because I don't like listen to every album that comes through the list. so now you're making me feel like I gotta go through (laughs) gotta go through and hit the little like button also, I should probably tell everyone not to share those files that I've been sending out to everybody. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> yes. just kidding. I know they're already like they are tagged and all that other stuff. So
0: yeah, we do offer watermarking. We, you know, it's it's not something that we catch people doing that much anymore, especially because most of the big piracy sites have gone offline. But when I first started at the company eight years ago, we were doing 50, 60 piracy takedowns every single month mm-hmm. in terms of like identifying people who leak. And we still do. Like, you know, I probably did, like, a handful this year so far, but we do find people who are still out there leaking music.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I You know what I mean? Especially because, like, uh, you've – it's kind of like a privilege to get all these advanced copies, right? And, like, what would you want to do? You want to, like, I'm going to get these advanced copies and, like, put them on my blog and then I'll be, like, the cool guy. You know what I mean? It's just, like, I never understood – I mean, like, again, I – I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't pirated music or still kind of pirate music. Although for like heavy music, I don't need to, I get the album sent to me and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's, mm-hmm. there's the benefit of that, but I don't, I would never like personally, I would never tempt to get that taken away from me. You know yeah, what I
0: mean? I, I've never understood it too, for the same reason. Like if, if I know a website where I can download an album that I really want, let's say, let's say this is like 2008. There's an album a website where I, I've had a leaked album that I really wanted. Maybe, maybe I would be able to tell you the name of that website, but I definitely don't know the person who leaked it. Mm. So as as the leaker, I never understand what the uh, what the the benefit to you is for doing this thing that can only hurt you if people found out that you did it. Yeah, it's nobody's really out weird. there like celebrating a leaker. <laughs> It doesn't happen. Like people use what people leak. but we're Well, never fan like, base is made, right?
1: Fan base is made. But yeah. then again, like you'd have to know the leaker and like it's, yeah. it's crazy.
0: It's, yes. And then it's like, well, if they know you, then you're – it's just – it never makes sense to me. But people still do it. And, you know, usually nine times out of ten, the person, A, they deny that they did it. But that's why watermarks exist mm-hmm. to kind of prove you. And, uh, and their other thing is <clears throat> they always just say, you know, I'm a fan and I wanted to share it with which is weird kind of when you think about it from a business mindset, but most yeah. people don't, they just think like, Oh my God, this new record is so good. I got to share it with Bob. And then Bob has three people he wants to share it with and so on. and so forth.
1: Reverse sales funnel, you mm-hmm. know, gets yes. bigger at the yes. top. So, uh, <laughs> but have you found that because piracy is like a, an interesting topic too Because there's so much Streaming going on And such like that Like really the only Kind of piracy That you have is Leaks you know Like people want that, The music Not just in the heavy uh, Realm but in all over You know they, they want the music now They want it you know Right away Instant gratification mm-hmm. That's what we have Going on with like Social media And, and the internet right now But do you uh, I mean do you see Like a lot of piracy Going on in general Like even outside Of holics and stuff Like that if, In the business
0: Not in music as much anymore. I mean, if there's a super early leak, and every now and then it certainly does happen, but it's increasingly rare. And I think part of it is because the industry is making shorter release schedules, right? Because if you're an artist whose album people would be so desperate for that they would leak it, that they would want to download a leak. You're at a level where you can probably just put that album out. So if a leak occurs, people will just rush it out. They'll be like, oh, it's arriving early, like they did with the Eminem show a billion mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. ago. <laughs> um, but in music itself, no. In film, it's still a gigantic problem. But yeah. that's because they just haven't figured out distribution the same way. I mean, in, in, in other areas, TV, film, video games, there's a lot of gatekeeping. There's a lot of like roadblocks to accessing content, right? Like, there's you might have Netflix, but you don't have the exclusives on Amazon and on Hulu and HBO mm-hmm. Max, blah, blah, blah. But in music, every service, including YouTube and just the general internet, has every song in recorded history, more or less. Yeah. There's small exceptions to the rule, like Garth Brooks for country fans. <laughs> he only has a deal with Amazon Music. So if yeah. you're a fan outside of that, and and his music is some of the most pirated music in the world to this day because of that lack of access. But music is so widely available, even on free plans, that most people are – it's it's way easier to just legally stream it at
1: yeah. this point. And, I mean, at, at some, they are getting you know very few shekels for their streaming revenue, right? I mean, that's I – I, it was very weird. Pirating music for me as a kid was always very weird because I was definitely into it, and I definitely did that. Like I said, I still kind of do sometimes. Don't come after (laughs) me. But, um, you know, one of the things I attribute it to is like trading tapes or something like that back in the day or trading CDs and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like it's a good way to find music and it's a good way to like, I hate saying like test music out and stuff like that. But you can find new music, find new bands and all this, that, the other. But also here we are full circle. I've come full circle and uh, I still stream music. I'll download an album if I can. And, or if I, if I want to, but I'm also buying CDs and buying vinyl at a rate that I had never done before. (laughs) So it's like, I, I guess with the lack of all the physical media being out there, it's made me want the physical media more. Whereas like, you know, CDs were getting pumped out by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. And so it didn't really feel special, but you know, I, I always made it a point too, if I was pirating music that I would support the band in any other way that I could, whether it's yeah. supporting them online, going to a show, spending gobs of money on merch, because being in a band myself, I I kind of know that that's the band will see bu- the bulk of that money, especially smaller bands, you know what I mean? Yeah. That are touring in a van and stuff like that. Those guys are definitely going to eat McDonald's off of my stuff or maybe get a better hotel room because they, they sold a, bu- a little bit more merch, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always tell people, if you're not a person that likes physical media, um, A, buy merch. But if you're buying merch online, just add the digital download to your cart, even if you never use it. I remember when the last trip for a King album came out, they did a live stream where they had like a whole exclusive line of merch. And I watched the live stream, which is free on Twitch. Good for them to be able to like give that to their fans. I bought, I bought two shirts. I bought one for my partner as well. And then when I was going to check out, I was like, oh, the digital download of The Path is only $5. Well, who cares? That's yeah. a cup of coffee. That's for most people, you will lose five dollars or spend it frivolously in the next few days and not ever even think about doing it. So to add that to your cart and just like give the band those few bucks, like whatever. And as a digital download, that's like all profit. Mm-hmm. So, so it helps. So I was just like, just add it to your cart. Even if you don't use it, just just make the purchase.
1: That's good to know. I didn't really realize that it was pure profit for the band. On the, I mean, I guess I should have realized it, right? But yeah.
0: You're just hosting it on your website and providing a download link. So whatever you're paying for hosting, but it's not a big file. Already.
1: Right. And again, those files are going to be better. And they're going to sound better. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound high quality. And it's not going to sound like streaming. That's my biggest, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing that I have with streaming. That's why I started buying CDs and, and stuff again, because I have a CD player in my car and, you know, I put a CD in, in my car. I listened to a CD like after a couple years of streaming and I was like, holy crap, this sounds totally, you know, totally different and better, fuller and bigger. And so from there on, I just started like really, I have like over 200 CDs now and that's only been a year and a <laughs> half. So it's like crazy that I've gone this nuts with it, but it, it, with those downloads, you get those bigger files and, you know, you can put those on your phone and stream that rather than through Spotify because Spotify and all that stuff is condensed and, you know, um, EQ specifically for tiny little speakers. So a lot of people don't realize that and they're missing out on a lot of a lot of music they can't necessarily hear up through that editing. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I, I support it. I, I can't do physical media myself. I, I, I really fight hoarding. If I allow myself to do it, it's going to run wild. Um, Come so, to the dark yeah, side, James. I, no, I can't. I, you know what I do? I, I, I do that for Godzilla stuff. I have, I'm staring at two unopened Godzilla versus Kong toys right now. So I, I do allow it for Godzilla things, but just not music because it, it's gotten out of control.
1: <laughs> We've all got our little, little yeah. things that we have. We all,
0: got, we all got our things. That's mine. Um, but yeah, I, Buy more music, please. We'll For sure. Go. Yeah. I mean,
1: and again, I think, like, I, I honestly think, as someone who's gone through the whole, like, um, you know, music and not, I haven't gone through the whole music industry, but I was around before CDs and CD, I'm sorry, CD burning and pirating CDs, you know. And then it's weird now that, you know, a lot of people are actually really worried early on to, be, to get caught. And there are people getting caught, obviously, but like, you know, how many people got caught? what's the percentage of people that got caught to the people that were doing it, you know, and I'm talking the yeah. music strictly because I feel like film and TV, they probably go after it a little, a little more heavier. So, but, uh, you know, I do think the younger generation is very much so into, uh, buying whether it's merch or spending money on bands They're they're way into it. And, um, it's good to see, cause it obviously makes the scene flourish a little bit more and allows these bands to do what the fans love more often uh, because i talk to a slew of people every day on this podcast and a lot of them have day jobs <laughs> you know what i mean and they have to work the day job because they you know they don't get not a, a lot of revenue from streaming and touring is you know not as prevalent right the second but you know
0: here's what it is if i didn't do high notes i think i would do a podcast about artist day jobs like have an artist on the show but only talk about the day job that's like, that's, uh, I, I would like that angle. Um, I think that it's fascinating to figure out. I always like, I like the idea of backup plans. So I guess maybe rather than talking about their day job and the extent of like, this is what I do and uh, while I'm trying to make music, it'd be more about the idea of like, everyone knows the ride eventually has to end, especially for the world of music where you and I exist. Mm-hmm. Like no one, the very rare 30 year career, right? Oh, yeah, most, yeah. most people are like three to five albums and I'm out. So I always want to know like, what is the thing that's like keeping you going outside of music? I remember recently learning that Adam from taking back Sunday had just got his degree in architecture. So that's like his backup plan. So like taking back Sunday's done. Adam Lazara could build you a house. And I love that idea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you think about it? There's so many like fans that would love to have their house built. Right? Like, and then you go, exactly. yeah, you already have a platform to like showcase yeah. all your architecture. Giant spells. audience. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs>
0: See, it's a great po- – anyone watching this that wants to start a music podcast that would book guests, that's a great one to do it. Yeah, just I, steal it.
1: We do try <laughs> to talk about that we, you because, know, again, it's – we want to take that veil of like rock stardom you know, and just like peel it back and be like, oh, these are just regular ass dudes that – I mean they are regular dudes, right? Or regular people. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say just dudes, but regular people. That just happened to make music that this that I enjoy or that you enjoy, you know, and they they definitely can't do that full time all the time unless you're at a certain level, but even then you know that's a I don't even know the percentage, but it's probably like the one percentage of the bands out there can <laughs> actually just like write music and that's it, but even then they do other things mm-hmm. that are hobbies of theirs, you know, and that's also yeah. interesting too because it does it gets you into the mindset of that person
0: see there you go. There it is. Someone steal that idea, please. Please.
1: Yeah. Well, don't do it as don't. Yeah, I might do it a little more on my podcast. You never know.
0: (laughs) All right, you can steal it as well. (laughs) Don't even give me credit. It's fine. Just take it. It's on. I just want to see cool stuff exist. Yeah, that's all. Cool content.
1: So speaking of like, you've been around for a while in the you know the heavy music genres and scene and stuff like that. What are some of the biggest changes, whether it's you know in the music industry itself or in the way like bands work together or bands work with their team to kind of release you know their product
0: well i think you know the biggest change is like i mean obviously just the digital age but more i would say it's like the social media awakening and just uh, engagement awakening because i i feel like up until very recently the last like three or four years rock and and heavier the heavier music more and more were always considered like behind. And, and, and maybe in the public conscience, it's still behind the curve. You know, obviously hip hop is, is much more popular in a general sense. But rock, in terms of doing the things you need to do to position yourself to be a gigantic star, rock was like slowly falling behind because there are all these like cool bands. There's always been great bands making great music. But until very recently, it seemed like most of them didn't know how or didn't care about being proficient at any kind of forward-facing fan engagement it was always like we make really good records and then we tour 200 days out of the year and that's what we do why do i have to be on social media why do i have to have a tiktok account why do i have to do anything that isn't make music go on tour and i always appreciated that from like a very pure art perspective like well i'm not doing this to be famous or anything but in recent years there are bands that I think you could argue are nowhere near the best band the genre has to offer, but they have recognized the power of leveraging fan interest in developing a digital community to further a career out here in the real world. And watching that finally happen in the world of metal and watching the older dogs in the game try to like run to catch up, realizing, oh, well, there's, there's potential here that maybe I should have understood because it's been there this entire time. I think that's the biggest change. And it's exciting to see. It's cool to see. Like, uh, was it? When we were recording this about a week ago, I watched Knocked Loose do a live stream concert. Right. And uh, 15 bucks. But, like, if you told me back in 2002 or even in the late 90s, like, you could log on to your computer and watch this band not only perform live, but it will sound better than they've ever sounded in any venue you've ever been to. It'll have a higher production value and there'll be a giant light wall and you could watch it while chatting with everyone else that loves the band as much as you do. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that was like living in Blade Runner. It was such a cool concept. <laughs> yeah. um, and watching it last week, I was like, this is crazy. Because I mean, even in the Code Orange one out last year, obviously, was such a big moment for them. And that's a great example of what I'm talking about. Is like all of a sudden a metal band was talked about in like the New York Times and everywhere yeah. else because they realized that they could do what all these people in hip hop and pop music had been already been doing for over a decade. And even indie music, you know, grew the world of indie music that wouldn't have gotten anywhere pre-social media, learned how to leverage that to become super popular. And rock is finally starting to catch up and metal is starting to catch up. And, and thanks to TikTok introducing more and more kids to uh, alternative style, fashion, music, whatever it happens to be, they're slowly becoming a renaissance in, in, in more of this deep cut metalcore and hardcore from the early 2000s through now, mm-hmm. and these bands are actually taking advantage of that. I find that to be fascinating and also like finally, we're fine. We're finally living in the 21st century as a as a, a renewed music.
1: Right, and I, I do love the way that the scene because I mean I came from I came from the scene in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it was a drastically different place to be. And I'm not saying it wasn't good. It was definitely like. I learned a lot from, you know, I learned a lot of positives from that time frame. So, mm-hmm. but there were also like, there was like, I felt like a lot of gatekeeping type stuff going on, obviously. And again, the quote unquote tough guy <laughs> exterior. Yeah. But um, yeah. it's really cool to see all these things happen. And it's really cool to see bands like, you know, there's a slew of bands that get into their, their merch. It's more like a street street style, streetwear brand. Mm-hmm. styled merch rather than just like your typical like I'm not trying to clown on parkway drive shirt here but it's like just an album <laughs> you know what i mean so it's just like just the yeah, album I or, hate that. or the band name yeah. you know what i mean and like um i know a lot of people probably get tired of seeing all these long sleeves with like uh <laughs> graphics all up and down the arm but i feel i feel like that's cool all that shit looks cool and it makes me want to buy that merch to that much more because you know now you're have a with Depop and all these other kind of outlets, there's a market for like not only throwback uh, you know, original shirts, but like reprints and and prints of just like, like I said, streetwear branded styled merch. And like mm-hmm. it's so it's it's another cool aspect of like being in this realm, you know? And in,
0: Yeah. Well it was always like having having a cool shirt, especially in metal and hardcore, is always such a fun thing. And then for a while it did get pretty kind of stagnant design-wise. But I think you said it best. It's like streetwear. I think, you know, Fit for King is a band that handles it really well, where Mm -hmm. their merch company is almost as big as the band itself, when you think of like how much they're promoting these two things. And they keep it fresh with limited drops and everything like that. Um, We Came as Romans has also done a really good job of capitalizing on that. And then they've also done these collaborations, which I think are so cool, where they partner with a band they both record one another's songs and like vocalist switch and then they put out a line of merch where it kind of combines the aesthetics of those two bands together mm-hmm. brilliant idea can't believe it took this long for it to happen
1: right yeah no it is crazy to see how it's evolving <laughs> and everything like that and you know like i i am a part of uh, all these like different kind of merch groups on facebook which I feel sad admitting, but I'm was. i in a Glassjaw one because Glassjaw is my obvious... I mean, obvious to anyone who's ever listened to this podcast is my favorite band of all time. Um, There was a guy in there that was so pissed the other day about it being very limited. Like, I can't stand that all these drops are limited and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, first off, it's smart that bands have started to do that because beforehand they would be like, okay, I need X amount of shirts, then I need X amount of shirts and this, 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 and this, right? And then there's a chance that the band or bands would pay that money, get that merch, and those designs maybe don't sell as well, right? And then now you're stuck with all this merch that you probably are going to take a loss on. Whereas now you see a lot more pre-order type stuff, you see a lot more uh limited drops. So like, you know, merch limited is a is a whole website based on just that, right? And they take big bands and they do like mm-hmm. we're doing 50 hoodies, dudes, grab them if you want them, you know? And it's cool because yeah. again, Although that does drive up a market for resale type stuff, which uh, is running plentiful in all sorts of genres and everything like that, but it's part of the game and it makes it like trading and collecting cards. You know, it's there's an allure to chasing down a specific item or album or vinyl that you'd want. And there's a feeling of when you get that for you know, hopefully the price you were looking for. <laughs> uh oh, I think he's froze up. Hey, we're back. <laughs> Hi.
0: Okay. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know what happened. No, you're um, good.
1: You're good. You're good. I just kept it rolling. We're just going to keep it rolling. Let me make sure it's recording uh, video. Yeah, okay. We're just going to cut it okay, in. Okay, good.
0: All right. Three, two, one. We're um, back. All right. One other thing I'll add real quick um, about the the coolest thing to see that you got me thinking about just now when you were talking was, is I guess, the rise of things like Patreon. I mean, uh, just last week, I think I saw an article about the band While She Sleeps. Not a band that I necessarily love but they've been able to get 2,000 people to send them money every month on Patreon. That's allowed them to be basically full-time musicians, even though they are nowhere near you know, the top band in the genre by any means. And Fit King does this as well in the alternative scene. Circus Revive has done this incredibly well over the last year with this ability, again, for artists who realize the power of harnessing your digital audience to further your pursuits, Patreon and systems like that show that this is a great method. I mean, I pay $10 a month for the Circus Survive Patreon. I don't think about those $10 and it helps those guys keep making music. They can, I'll, I'll do that every single month.
1: Oh yeah, totally. And I, um, you know, what's weird is I used to watch this YouTube channel uh, back in the day and there were, it was a girl and a guy called Pomplemouth and Jack, the guy who created pa- Patreon is the guy that was in that band. So it's, it's made by artists, you know, for artists, so to speak, or creators, so to speak. So, Um, now I do think that is going to get more prevalent as time goes on, but I think what bands will probably and hopefully do, and I'm not trying to shit on Patreon in any way, but I feel like they will do more of like what kind of Frankie from Inmure was trying to do like a fan club where you would go to like the website, maybe like the band's website. So that way the band would get the uh, bulk of that money rather than split it with another service or something like that. But I think with the pandemic happening and all those other uh, all the bands and artists and stuff like that having to pivot and, and figure out like how they're going to survive or how they're going to, you know, connect with their fan base and, and such like that. I think it's great for everything going forward. And I can't wait to see what happens because I I've been a big fan of like, you know, I don't want to say fan clubs, but like, that would be something I've told every band that I've ever come in contact with, especially over this, uh, even before the pandemic, I was like, you guys need to monetize your content. I mean, like, like you said, rock and, the rock genre is so far behind the scene. Like I think it wasn't looked at as a cool thing to do, right? Like no one's going to like be mm-hmm. in this, I guess Slipknot would be a different, obviously people would be like the Slipknot fan base, but like a smaller band, like no one's going to be like, yeah, I'm in the so-and-so fan club. You know what I mean? But those bands do have to produce the content to, to um, make it, you know, worth worth the fan base to do that so and that makes it cool because again it's more of a connection you're in like the little back end you know you're watching videos that not the everybody gets to watch or you get to do Q&A's with the band or maybe there's other kind of like perks that they send out to their fan base you know but again like you said it allows them to do nothing more than create the art that their fan base wants
0: yeah and if you and if you're an artist that's watching this and you don't think you have enough like content to fuel patreon then like start building a twitch community because some of the art artists that do patreon really well are also on twitch and brian kirby of uh of Fiffer king great example uh trevor who black dahlia murder those those are guys who are making a good portion of their income now through twitch streaming uh matt from trivium does oh yeah like really well on twitch surprisingly um he and i did yoga on twitch once so you <laughs> can go back in history and watch that that's cool
1: I, i've been trying to get into yoga and i love that
0: you mentioned uh it's really fun. I love that you mentioned Frankie from the mirror because I feel like in 20, it's the 10 year anniversary of speaker of the dead this year. and Not enough people are celebrating that band anymore.
1: Well, it's one of those things where I think Frankie just is misunderstood a lot too. And that could be because the exterior that yeah. he, you know, the exterior personality that he created uh, for, you know, mm-hmm. and again, that was created in a time, in a time that the scene and uh, everything was different. So uh, I think he gets a lot of flack and I don't want to sit here and say, I'm like, standing up for Frankie, but I, I also spent time with him differently than most casual fans would, or, or or most people that hate on that band, you know what I mean? And, uh, same thing. They've been successful time time
0: with the guy. And I feel like,
1: yeah, they've been successful (laughs) a long time, or the band has been successful for a long time and they've done, they've gone through the ringer, you know, every year it seems like they've got a, they got an issue that they're going through and they, uh, they definitely, I know Frankie caught some shit for doing the fan club and, you know, you got to set it up right and you got to do it right. And I, I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure if he tried now a couple of years later with like a bunch of like uh, roads mm-hmm. already paved, he could definitely do it right. And uh, yeah. Speaker of the Dead was a great album. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Anyways. Um, yeah. What else? What's all, what else is on your mind? Hit me with something else.
1: Oh man. I mean, I, I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was watching baseball right before we started started this, so I didn't want to like bring baseball up because we've been talking baseball on the podcast for a couple episodes. We had JB on uh, JB yeah. from August Burns Red. He's a baseball fan, and we just released uh, mm-hmm. Hate Breed uh, Frank. Yeah, Frank from Hate Breed and Ringworm and Integrity. He's a big Tampa Bay Rays fan, and I'm a Rays fan, so I don't necessarily want to get into that again. But um, yeah, so like, what are some other cool things about Holics and? and Oh, no no no. Let's get into marketing for younger bands. That's we should let's let's get nerdy again. <laughs> Perfect. So like like okay. you were you kind of established a little bit that rock has been behind the curve on marketing and such like that and dealing with their fan base. And I think that's I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think again it was like cool rock star lifestyle and we're not going to be doing that kind of stuff. But what are some tips for like bands that are you know lower lower to your level or artists who are lower to your level, like what what would be some tips that you have found that work for any any sized artist?
0: Um, well, you know my basic rule of thumb for artists, especially in, in the digital space, is you know don't focus on being everywhere all the time. Meaning, you don't need to be on Facebook content, IG content, Twitter content, blah 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 blah. If there's a platform that you enjoy, absolutely stick with it. And then my second if you need to have a second platform, then maybe you don't, but figure out where your audience is the strongest. So if you're an artist that maybe has a little bit more of a legacy tale to you, then Facebook might actually be a pretty viable space because they might already get fan club there for you. Um, you know, Facebook tends to have a slightly older user base, but you're trying to target teenagers, well, we all know that teenagers aren't necessarily on Facebook. So why are you wasting your time there? Instead, figure out where that community is thriving. Maybe it's Twitter. Maybe it's TikTok. Maybe it's Instagram. Maybe it's two of those things. Whatever it happens to be that you feel comfortable managing, if you can figure out where your audience exists and just feed content to that main source, they will spread the word. They will repost and share that stuff wherever else they exist online. And then you can let those other services take a backseat. I'm not saying don't have a Twitter presence or a Facebook presence, but when it comes to creating original content and engaging with your audience on a daily basis or as well as you feel comfortable doing, find that main pool of fans and build out from there rather than trying to like spin all these different plates. It's it's pointless. It's going to waste your time. You're going to go crazy. Just focus on the one that you like and the one where your fans are, and, and the rest will kind of take care of itself over time.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I agree about Facebook. I think, uh, unfortunately, I mean, I'm on it all the time because for work <laughs> and stuff like that. But if I could get off of it, I would never go on it again. But you're right; it is an older demographic, and it feels yeah. like Instagram, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, and even yeah. I don't necessarily know of anybody like finding bands on Twitter or anything like that. But uh, it does happen because people do reshare stuff, and I'm I'm sure you know because the metalcore community well, I is think, pretty tight on Twitter as yeah. well. So. Um, it is a viable option but you do have <laughs> well, to try I, all those platforms too to figure out which one is the one for your band ben. or group sorry go
0: ahead absolutely you know, play, play with it a bit um, like I said if you, have a fan, if you have a fan club on Facebook and sometimes your fans will have already started one focus on that fan club not, and more than you necessarily focus on running a page and trying to get likes mm-hmm. um, there's a band on Fearless Records called Chase Atlantic they have a major Facebook fan group. And the band isn't involved in it at all. I think it's called like Chase Atlantic Worldwide or something like that. But as a journalist, you know, if I write about Chase Atlantic, it goes off onto Twitter through whatever platform. And you know, maybe someone clicks on it. Maybe the band reshares it. I don't know if that stuff really does that much for me. But if I take that same piece of content and share it in that community where there's all these Chase Atlantic fans gathering, talking every single day without the band even needing to participate, that content gets a ton of clicks it gets a lot of shares, it gets reposted on a bunch of stuff. And that's because that community that already existed before I got there, or is kind of self-perpetuating its existence, doesn't need the band's participation. They're so fervently dedicated to this artist that they love, that they're going to engage with things. You know, mm-hmm. That's why if you don't have that already, just find where it's kind of existing. Find where people are using your name as a hashtag, where they're tagging you the most. And you know, give them stuff that they'll want to share and they will share it. But There's a beauty in those Facebook communities and and there's Reddit too. You know, some artists probably have really big reddits and they don't even know about it because they don't ever think to check. You're right. But those communities again are creating really cool content. And if you are somebody trying to promote or talk about that band and you put your content in those communities, you will know right away whether or not it's good and it will get shares if it's quality. The same thing goes for the artist. I mean, I know the band, that recently did a major tour announcement and they posted the pre-sale code in their official Facebook group before they even sent it out to the mailing list because that place is so like wildly dedicated. Um, so, you know, it, find what works for you <laughs> and, and use it rather than trying to do everything all at once.
1: Right. And I feel like that is something that bands do have to take into consideration that they didn't mm-hmm. have to prior prior, you know what I mean? Like, it is a little more work. It's not just about like how good your songs are anymore, because <clears throat> my next kind of topic or question I was gonna ask you is like where do you see the future of like music being released and such like that? Like bands necessarily don't need to rely on labels anymore. You know, they can self-produce, self-promote, yeah. self-release. So like uh what do you what do you see like as a trend in the industry? Like what do you see it going? Where do you see it going?
0: That's a really good question. It's tough. I think as far as labels go, you definitely don't need one. I work with an artist right now uh, who pay for their album themselves and the only reason that we partnered with the label at all is because they met our demands. So basically we had a meeting where we sat down as a team and we we're like, okay, so the album we could put it out ourselves on digital platforms and probably do like CDs or cassettes or something. Vinyl would be a stretch, but we could do it all ourselves and we could just use the mailing list. Or if somebody wants to give us we had a figure is I'm not going to say what the figure was in case anybody knows what band I'm talking about. <laughs> but We had a, basically a budget for music videos and we wanted somebody that would pay for the vinyl release. So the cost of a couple music videos, the vinyl release and a publicist of our choosing. So we went to find a publicist and We were like, this is how much it's going to cost. So some people reached out with an interest in it and we took meetings with several labels. And in each one, we said those exact things we said, so we've already spent this much money on the album, thousands of dollars. And we want you to be involved in this, but only if you're willing to meet us at the exact same level of investment. So we came to them with a very specific list of demands and one of them stepped up and said, you got it. Here's exactly how much money you asked for. We're going to do the vinyl. We're going to take care of it all. Worked out for us. But again, the bank could have done it without that. The only you, if you can find a team of people, label or otherwise, that share your vision and are willing to meet you halfway, if not go an extra mile to help make your dreams a reality, then team up with them. But until you find people that love your music and care about it as much as you do, if you can afford to stay stay independent, stay independent for as long as possible. And, you know, play with releases. I like what Of Mice and Men is doing right now where they're putting out like uh, two, they're about to put out their second EP of the year. Now they've done full length albums up to this point. Now they have a full length album worth of material and they're just giving us quarterly three song EPs. By the end of the year, we'll have a new album, but it's cool to see them. They have new music to share every like three weeks right now. And it's really incredible to watch unfold.
1: That's one of the things. And it keeps
0: us talking about it.
1: Right. And again, that's, (laughs) that's one of the things that I've kind of harped on. I think the entire time I've been on this podcast is like rock and like rock is behind the times, obviously. And they, they set on this like schedule of like, okay, releasing albums. Right. But like you said, there's a lull where it could be a year, two, three, depending Mm -hmm. on the band. Right. They could be a big lull. Uh, In their release schedule, whereas that band isn't probably getting talked about as much because they aren't necessarily touring all the time or they're not releasing press releases or doing anything cool within that time period. But I always thought because in the DJ, in the pop world and all these other avenues, hip hop and such like that, they release singles all the time. And now bands have the ability to do that. I mean, like bands self-record a lot, but bands team up with people that uh, that that are on the same goal and they have the same like, you know, their team or whatever they can release songs, twelve songs throughout the year, right? And then at the end, maybe press the CD mm-hmm. or whatever, and then they can buy like fans who are rabid about it can buy it. But at least you have something every month coming up that's like, oh, a new song, a new song. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a new song; it could be like one month the music video, you know, one month a merch drop or whatever. But as long as you're consistently putting out content, whether no matter what the content is, I think that's beneficial for them. And I think that's how the future of the industry is going to go. So I think we'll probably see less and less label type stuff and more like just more PR and more, you know, whatever. But now if you're in a band of four to five, six people, if you can get a band of four to five, six people that can each wear a separate hat and do something different that's less money. You got to split and you don't have to go out and find that person. You know what I mean? But you have to make sure that that person, that that your skills can be, you know, used properly or that you have the proper skills that Mm -hmm. they need, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and right. So, so there's like a couple of different ways of thinking about your band, you know, there's the artistic approach. That's like we're a couple of guys or a group of people who all, you know, love this music and we work really hard at it. And then there's, like a more methodical approach where you're trying to build a band, but also keeping in mind the skill set of each individual person. And if you can find that same level of cohesion as the, we're just doing it for fun. then that's like your perfect, that's like your ideal situation. I know you and I, uh, cause you interacted with me on Twitter about it. Uh, we like this, this artist Toby and <laughs> yeah. you know, he has, he has one producer, Nell right. a woman. He has his wife, who's his, pretty much his only main collaborator. And then himself, and one video guy, one photographer, one stylist, and they've created this entire world of music videos, albums, songs that all have a very similar aesthetic. They all are presented in a similar way, and it's always top shelf production, top of shelf video quality. And on, and top of, just, on top
1: of the fact that the man has released a song every Sunday for like what two years? Yeah, yeah, just he's insane. insane. Yeah, it's insane. And again, I think that's where like it started to click for me mm-hmm. when I found out that you know. His team is basically just like his his close people or so. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's (laughs) you just. And he said something on an interview one time. Actually, he's like, they just have to wear different hats. Like they can do different things. You know what I mean? And that's Mm -hmm. the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with. Like, and again, that's a different genre altogether. But if you can have that within your band, dude, you're you're light years ahead of a lot of other people. You know?
0: Yeah. The same the same exact rules apply. And a, a band like Code Orange, while they do have a label and they have a slightly larger team now. What got them there is that they kind of have that same level of skill where it's a, it's a, it is more people because it's a band, but they, they each have a role and they have roles on top of those roles and they all do them to the absolute best of their abilities. And it creates a very cool, not just sound and band, but like community and world around that music that kind of is bigger than the music itself. For sure. And Toby does that same thing. And, and if you can find a way to do that as an artist, I think that that's the key to, to sustainable success these days. Is you want people to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And And the bands that seem to be really rising through, or at least maintaining their momentum right now, are the ones who kind of have that going for them, where there's a whole world to explore. There's like an ideology. Sometimes there's like a narrative in the music, or maybe it's just a visual aesthetic where it's like, you always know it's going to be, more of what you love
1: yeah just you got to approach it you got to approach the band as a brand and you got to brand the hell out of it even when i was in bands i never understood like i never understood people that just focused on the music because it's so much more than that i mean i get the artistic outlook and the, the artistic you know feel of it but like i was forever on the internet in a band just like going at it just like listen to my band uh, who can we play with shows out of town? Like, you know, I was networking on MySpace, like, endlessly, dude. Like, that's where my name Lurk came from. Like, I was just going through everyone's <laughs> profile, lurking everybody out, just wanting to know any and everybody. What band are you in? What, you know, and blah, 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 blah. MySpace, and I don't want to talk about it too long, but, like, MySpace was fucking great, you know, for for the scene back then and finding new bands and everything like that. It was great. Networking, it was like, there's there's got to be something that makes all that easier for our artists. Do you know what I mean? And I think the notion of like needing a record label is long gone. And I think, um, like you said, the bands that can cohesively work together uh, and each wear different, you know, hats or whatnot, you're light years ahead and um, your stay in the scene is probably going to be longer than just, you know, waiting around and cause you're, you're going after it. You know what I mean? Like if you're going after it, the drive is there, the fan base will see that. Like you said, you'll create a community around it and they'll be interacting with you almost on the daily. You know, And that just keeps you fresh in the viewer or listener's mind.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself.
1: No, it's been, it's amazing. It's amazing to see what's going to happen. You know what I mean? And as a almost 40-year-old <laughs> man, it's, it's just crazy to see how things have changed just in the last 20 years, especially for the hardcore and metal. Yeah. Uh, I
0: mean, uh, you know, uh, you and I are both super pumped about Furnace Fest, of course. And uh, just, just, just the other day, I was thinking about like I remember when I was a teenager and how how much work I had to do in theory at least to discover a band like Zao and like everyone that I knew Zao at the end of the '90s was like they're the greatest thing to ever happen in hardcore at the time and everyone had the tattoo and it was like a, it was like a cult, but finding that cult and like becoming a part of it and then finding other people that were, you know, in that community outside of a show was virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these days, like, I'm like, can you imagine if we had the capabilities they had now back when, when bands like that were coming up? It, it would be a completely different world. I'm very envious of how easy it is to kind of become part of one of these communities online and then, you know, feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. It used to be so difficult. And I try to never lose sight of how, how special those things are.
1: Yeah, it just it it is very special. Especially that time was very special. Not that it's not special now for people who are finding music and everything like that. But it definitely was like you felt like yeah, because you couldn't go to even Hot Topic and find bands that you were into online at Hot yeah. Topic. And eventually, you know, the popularity of the scene became so big to where they were having shirts and, and all these other merchandise things going yeah. on. But yeah, yeah, man, I mean. Even today, if I find if I bump into a Glassjaw fan, or if someone if I'm wearing a shirt and someone says something, it blows my mind because I know that that band is so fucking small mm-hmm. in re in in this grand scope of things. That's like, dude, yeah. But now we can all find each yeah. other on like the Facebook group, you know?
0: What <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you just Google Glassjaw, yeah. and There's a, a billion links.
1: Yeah, I'd have to go to like <laughs> glassjaw.net and like hang out in the forum and nerd out, you know. But um, it's good that yeah. we can do it via public. So, oh, there was one more thing I mm-hmm. was wanting. Bring up, but now I'm fucking blanking out. But wait,
0: I'll ask you something while you're trying go to remember. Do you, think, do you think we'll ever get to hear the unreleased Head Automatic album? I don't know, man. And it's, it's Glassjaw adjacent, yeah, but I don't do know. you think Daryl will ever be like, here you go. Dude, there are things that Daryl's
1: done outside of Head Automatica and Glassdraw that I wish would be recorded, too. Like, um, I'm going to throw it way on back, but he had this little group called Geometry back in the day. And, (laughs) dude, they made some fucking awesome songs, and there's only, like, live recordings of them. And so, like, no, I don't think we'll ever hear. I don't think we'll ever hear. (laughs) they will wait 10 years to release a damn album, you know what I mean? So they're like the scenes version of Tool. So... uh, I, never I, know I remember notes. that he,
0: there there's a while in the 2010s when Daryl was like, there is a third head on Mac album. It's done. I don't know when it's coming out. And then it just like, then we just stopped <laughs> yeah. and every now and then I find myself being like, I wonder what that sounds like. I bet it's great.
1: Yeah, I bet. I mean, and it's interesting to see where it would go because obviously the first, uh, the, what is it? Decadence was a different album than yep. uh, the second one, but it would be, see, it would mm-hmm. be cool to see how they matured on the third time around, you know? And, uh, yeah, God, they're just—he's—he's a, a, he's a great vocalist.
0: As a Palumbo, so, yeah, as a Palumbo fan, I figured you would at least have a, an opinion on it. I want to hear it, Daryl. If you're watching, please let us hear the third Oh, Daryl,
1: if you're watching, and do a tour. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, just tour. If you could just tour with all your bands, that'd be great. All the time, I would yeah. love that. If you want to get on the show, by all means, you are. Um, it's him, Chino, Fred Durst, slash West Borland. Those are the three that I want to get on before I hit 100 episodes. Uh, we have like forty more to go, so <laughs> the clock okay, is ticking. Okay, um, but yeah, <laughs> all I've right. I've got we've got a god list, you know. I, I, there's people on the list. Those three are very up there because obviously Daryl's big a big person in my life, and so is Fred. I, unfor- no, I don't even gonna mm-hmm. say unfortunately. Fuck that gatekeeping crap. Lumbisca was dope. Okay, and I'm from <laughs> Jacksonville, so of course that is what it is. But James, man, it was great chatting with you. Um, we definitely, you know, may may want to bring you back and just continuously. You know, figure out what's going on in the behind the scenes marketing world and, 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 you know, inside industry looks. I think these are great for people who are just casual fans of music too, because they understand like the inner workings of like how bands plan and work and how the industry works, you know?
0: I, I think, um, I would love to be back on the show thank you. but I, I think it'd be fun if we did a, a Furnace Fest preview. We can just swap stories about all these 20 year old bands oh my that are playing again for the first time in a decade. Yeah, we could have, a, yeah, I definitely think there should
1: be a whole episode dedicated to Furnace Fest. And because I, okay, first off, if you're listening yes. to this and you're not, you don't have a ticket and you're not going and you're a fan of any of those bands, I don't think you realize how monumental this festival is. And I can only blow it up so much because I feel like, it's one of those things that I'll look back in history and be like, damn, dude, like that was so awesome. Because again, it was awesome 20 years ago. I didn't go to the festival then, but the Furnace Fest DVDs were like iconic, you know, like Andrew WK probably wouldn't be as big if he didn't have his, mm-hmm. and you know, his Furnace Fest set. And if you're not knowing what I'm talking about, yeah. YouTube that and it is insane, you know, and there's there, there's <laughs> many there's many shows during that those uh, festivals that are just like that. And uh, it's going to be great to have mm-hmm. all that back together again. And I'm looking very forward to it, even though I am missing mm-hmm. Limp Bizkit that weekend in rebel at rebel rock, but it'll, you know, mm. sacrifices have to be made, James. <laughs>
0: all right. Oh, thank you so much for having me around, man. This has been fun. You're really good at Twitter. I enjoy watching you. Uh, ex- I enjoy watching you exist on the internet. Well, thank and you. this has been fun to put a, Put a fun face to an avatar, and we will hang out definitely at Furnace Fest. But yeah, preview piece for sure. I have a billion stories about most of these bands that no one understands why I would pay so much money to go see. And, uh, yeah, this has been cool. Thank you so much for having me. No,
1: no problem. And uh, I have to say thank you for being the first person to call me a journalist because I definitely don't look at myself like that. And um, that was a, a welcome compliment, James. I appreciate that.
0: No problem. It's It's important to tell people – that they're doing the thing that you think they want to be doing because you're doing it, man. This is it. You're asking thought-provoking questions and learning, hopefully facts. I mean, I told you it's true. I can't speak for the other guests, but you know, you're getting, you're getting the people answers. I mean, I think that that, I think that that counts. You're doing the work. It, Congratulations.
1: Even if I can't remember everything that we talked about in an episode and there's many episodes that I forget everything after we record it, it is cool to go back and listen to it and be like, ah, I did. We did talk about that. Yeah. On the podcast.
0: yeah. Exactly. Listen, I'm 232 episodes into Inside Music. I can't even tell you the guests from below 100, probably. Oh, but yeah. every now and then, somebody will comment on something, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I remember when we talked about that." Yeah.
1: So, so yeah. 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 And I, now I'm getting to the point where like people like will be like, "Hey, remember that time when you were talking to so and so?" And I'll be like, "No, I don't. I don't remember it." It's you know, what I mean, I've done so many, and I haven't even done so many of these. It's just because they're so they're because I'm such a fan of a lot of these bands and stuff like that, that it's very hard to concentrate a lot of the time. <laughs> so it's, it is, it's so nerve wracking, you know what I mean? But it's a labor of love. What can you say?
0: Oh, can I, can I do a plug real quick? Go ahead. When you're listening to this, most likely, depending on any production issues, the, the fourth season of high notes will be out. It'll be episodes 22 through 30, I believe uh, this season, because I know it's not coming out, I couldn't spoil it. This season includes uh, Phil from All the Remains, which we have both Butcher Babies on this season. We have Ryan from the band Monarch. If you're a TikTok person, we have PP Cocaine and Jack Hayes, as well as Dennis DeYoung, the founding member of Stick, sharing some wild stories from the 70s. And uh, some other guests that we have not yet uh, recorded, so I'm not going to say them out loud yet. But the season is coming out soon. There's a ton of episodes out, everyone from uh head of corn through shannon larkin of god smack a lot of alternative musicians anthony green burt mccracken so on and so forth have all done the show it's a it's their story of addiction and recovery i just host it i'm a narrator in between story elements but it's it's really cool uh people seem to like it and i would love it if you checked it out
1: yeah i didn't even know about that but james i will check it out for sure because that sounds interesting uh the both both sound interesting um so I'm just going to cut it here, but stick around if you don't mind. I want to kind of pick your brain about some other things. But again, thanks for coming on the show, yeah. brother. And we'll definitely keep in touch before uh, Furnace Fest. And I'm sure you're going, right? You're definitely going? Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll yeah. see each other yes. there and everything like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be a grand old time. This